Can you hear me? Yeah, man. How, How are you, you doing? Good. I'm very good. How are you? All right. So we got Mr. Daryl Schneider on the line. How are you? I'm doing well today. <laughs> so let's start off. Who Who is Daryl Schneider? Just uh, a typical car guy. Uh, grew up in the hot rod world of fit finish. Uh, got pretty lucky to work with some talented people and just uh, kind of fell in love with it. And where are you based now? Are you, are you working for yourself or are you working for someone? I have for the last... Uh, 10, 15 years, just been like a subcontractor. Um, I have a shop at home. Um, right now, uh, being a subcontractor, it was kind of cool. Uh, you uh, get opportunities for like extended stays. So if a shop is shorthanded and then you go and they see what you can do, then I ended up staying sometimes five, six years. Um, and if something got slow, I'd move on. Or if somebody no longer liked me, I moved on. Awesome. So that, right, so right, uh, carry on. Right now, um, I'm working uh, with East Bay Speed Custom. Uh, we've set up a little paint booth and paint shop and helping them do their work and doing my own projects at the same time. Are you just doing the body work or you do you see the jobs right through? Uh, I do everything that's fit and finish related. I, I would never call myself a metal man, but uh, or a metal craftsman. Um, but I do what's necessary from the time people say metal work's done, get it finished, you know. So everything from lining panels, beating stuff around, massaging filler work, prime block, paint, rub out. It's kind of right in my wheelhouse. Right. And I, I found you online. Um, the man trying to break the internet with his support for body filler. That's who I see. <laughs> Daryl Schneider online. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, just a lot. I've been in it for decades. Um, there's always been a terrible stigma to filler work and it's in some cases it gets bad and, and it messes with your reputation and I just got tired of thinking that all the younger people that are following me through this trade have to deal with that their whole careers I, I think it's time that we you know set the record straight that even really nice metal has to be, um, you know, straightened out. Why do you and, think? Uh, why do you think the industry hides the fact that you need to apply filler to to achieve that the edge to edge like show car finish? I don't think everybody does. I mean, I I try to um, take an open mind to this, so it's just not my you know own pet peeve, whatever. But I'll talk to. Uh, text coming up and they'll say oh customers don't want us to say there's filler on their car or um you know if they're subbing from another shop you know don't 
get told, you know, no photos, don't post, filler. I, I, I think that's wrong. Um, I really, I'm not sure what it is, and whether it's an ego, whether it's just the whole old school thought process that has been there forever. Uh, the whole four decades I've been in the trade. So um, I just, I just think it's time. I mean, there are people now with social media, and I think social media is definitely helping. People are posting their filler work, and there's some great filler techs out there that don't get any respect. Um, you hear about the metal guys, which they deserve respect. You hear about the painters, but I don't know. I kind of just think that we're missing the mark. Uh, there's hundreds of hours uh, between filler work and polyester blocking on some of these cars that just people aren't getting a pat on the back. So what percentage would you say, like a Riddler car or a Pebble Beach car, what percentage of the vehicles that are turning up to those shows have been filled with filler? You can tell if you've been around the business long enough which ones have and which ones haven't. And I do think everything is over-restored these days. I, I can't tell you a percentage, but you can tell if it's not the way it was, you know, in the 60s. I mean... I've worked on uh, an original Cobra and worked with this restoration place. And they were so adamant about me not filling too much just with urethane primer. I mean, we're talking five, six mils. So, and I remember I had to remove the primer in some areas because they couldn't see the little marks they wanted to see. So when you look at a car today, I think everything I see is over restored, which is fine. I, I, I mean, I got in this trade because I wanted to make ugly things look better. But um, I just think it's evolved. And filler is making it better. And polyester primer is making it better. And, you know, blocking with all the, you know, people selling their blocks. I mean, everybody's trying to make it look better. I've, I've done this my whole life. I've walked into SEMA looked at a 70 challenger and i just sat there had to pick my jaw off the floor because i can't believe how flat how straight they're getting it you know it's filler nobody's getting mellow that straight from headlight to tail up yeah 100 percent. and do you recommend applying body filler over epoxy primer or what's your method there i i use both uh and it depends on what i'm doing it depends on budget it depends on what the car is going to be used for it, it every i don't argue those points because every every time i post something somebody will say oh it doesn't have epoxy under it or whatever i i agree with all of the ways we fix things i agree with epoxy first primer first i, I do it both ways myself it just depends on the job the customer the budget and like i said is it going to be stored inside is it going to be a daily driver all of those things matter to me and you know, obviously price too. Right. And filler, how much filler would you say is too much filler, like mill thickness at the end of the, the repair? You know, I'm like everybody else in this trade. I like the least amount as possible. Um, but that does depend on what ends up in the body shop or the custom paint shop. Um, I've pushed the limits. I mean, I think every Bonya manufacturer says don't go over a quarter. I've pushed those limits just because metal work isn't, you know, at the right level that it needs to be. And 
that somebody's already spent a hundred grand on metal work or whatever, you know, you just gotta close your eyes and go. But, um, I, I think if you can keep it, I, I've listened to your, some of your podcasts. I agree with, uh, um, everyone that's saying, you know, no more than an eighth. I think that's really reasonable, but that is really, in my opinion, after 40 years, and if you're within an eighth from headlight to taillight, rocker to roof, that is really good metalwork, especially on a hand-built car, or and, and not everybody's at that level. I mean, I I know we have craftsmen out there, and I know I've seen, you know, polished cars, and and they deserve a pat on the back. I couldn't do it, but the difference between being that smooth, gentle, flowing sweep or curve, and being panel to panel or having a little ripple here and there. Um, if you can get that in an eighth, you are a very skilled tech. Um, I heard, uh, uh, what, who is it uh, over there, your neck of the woods? Um, Aiden Hunt. Aiden, I heard him say he's within two or three millimeters. That boy is good if he can do that. Uh, two, three millimeters, I could do that with polyester primer. If you're, if all your shapes in all directions are within two, three millimeters, uh, you're God and me, you know? But most stuff, most stuff's within, uh, I'd say a thick areas or a quarter and, uh, you know, to zero. But all of those high spots, um, in your sweep lines, in your gentle curves, they dictate how much filler you need where, and if you want it to be a seamless shape um, in all directions, um, it's easy to use three sixteenths quarter on jobs for sure. Would you say that the the filler gets a bad rep because some people are filling them from end to like headlight to tail light? They're getting the shape perfect, but they're not then taking it down to a minimal film thickness build thickness. Well. I- I, I think I agree with some metal techs that I've had conversations with. I think that there is a difference of opinion in what straight is. So um, if you want that seamless look, can't see any panel, you know, edges of your panels and stuff, uh, you're probably going to over mud, overfill. And it probably could be taken down a little bit, but then you're going to have maybe a little etch a sketch to the side of your car or a little flat spot somewhere when you put it up on the lift and, you know, look at it from a different angle. So um, I agree there's different levels of straight and all directions um, to where no matter if the car is on the lift, if the car is tilted on the side, if you're looking at it this way or that way, you're going to have more mud on there than, than a metal guy would want, for sure. And what would you uh, say, but, what's the lifespan on, on filler nowadays? Like, if you were to do a restoration, what sort of warranty could you offer a customer with the, with the when you're applying filler on them? So here's, here's my thoughts on that is, I don't see too much that I've done 
in my career, when I get a chance to see a car that I've done 25, 30 years ago, I always go look at it. Um, I don't see a lot blowing up, but at the same time, less is more. Whenever we're talking about film builds of, of any kind, and um, if I were to do my own car, would I mud it up like that? Probably not. Um, I'd probably, you know, do panel for panel. And you've obviously you've been in the game a long time. Have you seen the evolution of filler? Are they are they much better today than they were twenty, thirty years ago? Everybody says they are, um, but I see some old jobs that haven't fallen apart. But uh, saying that, I didn't use as much uh, when I was younger because the first decade or two was when I saw the evolution of correcting everything so the early jobs didn't have as much so that's probably why those weren't breaking down and but i've seen jobs 20 plus years that are doing fine and somebody somebody uh, was talking to me through instagram about a very famous car and it had been around for 20 years already and and he, last time he saw it, it had some splits here and some cracks there. And I'm like, everything needs to be restored, even a Ferrari. You know, so um, why why do you think it's going to last forever? I mean, your driveway your, at your house has to be replaced at some point. So, I mean, if you could get 20, 30 years out of products, I mean, why are we complaining? Yeah. Do you use any lead at all? Are you a fan of lead? Uh, I've probably had more problems with lead as a painter than I have uh, other products. Um, will I go over it? Yes. Uh, I've come up with SOPs and stuff that kind of makes it work for me. But I, I'm, I'm leery of it with some of the products that are out today. Um, no longer do you have lead in a lot of the products that we spray. So, I mean, some things don't like to adhere to it. Yeah. And do you weigh your filler over scale? I think that's a good idea. I've weighed my filler to get to know what the percentage is. I don't always do it. Um, it is kind of slow when we're, you know, knee deep in trying to get a car done. Um, but I'm pretty consistent. And that comes from also the glass work that I've done early in my career about knowing, you know, what the ratio of resin is for laying up parts and stuff so i mean i have a good feel for it i i do see people that their mixes are all over the board i do see people that under catalyze i see people that over catalyze i think it's all bad um i think consistency is the key and i think staying within that window um, is important and i think if you have to weigh you have to weigh and I, I, I would suggest anybody starting out to do that for sure. And do you have a recommended brand of filler that you like to use? I've used Rage Gold probably the most in the last couple decades. Uh, I've been playing around with the 3M Platinum. I don't like it as much, 
seems to kick a little early for me. Um, but it sounds nice and it works nice, and I know a lot of people using it and having good results. Right. And what's your stance on like glazers and fine fill putties? Uh, I use them. Um, I basically use catalyzed putties for pinhole work. Um, that's about it. I don't like filling scratches with it. I don't like it as a final coat. I mean, if we're talking insurance or crash work or whatever, um, that's a different story. But as far as um, on a full uh, restore, I don't use it much. Um, unless the car's super clean, I've got epoxy on it, and I only need a few spots you know, of putty work, then I will, I will use it. But, um, if it's a full, you know, spread with filler, I use filler and the polyester primer. And, and like I said, putty's just for pinholes for me. Right. And let's say you finished a car, you've, you've, uh, applied filler over it. Like, um, most of these show cars are nowadays. It's painted black and it's outside in the heat and on a very hot day do you feel that the the filler on the car is in any sort of jeopardy the steel work's going to move with the heat correct and then do, what do you think that's doing to the filler is it as it's the heat is expanding and contracting is is that doing anything to the adhesion of the, the filler to the metalwork? it can be for sure and uh if you do this uh, for a living, uh, you have to worry about that. And, you know, I question how well filler sticks to epoxy. I question how well filler sticks to prep metal. Um, I, you know, I don't question Corvettes and fiberglass bodies too much because it's all the same material. It's all moving at about the same rate expansion and contraction but uh you have to worry about it you do um and like i said even with all of that said i have seen cars not only that i've painted and done this way but other painters and, and they're lasting quite a while now gotta remember they're not sitting in those conditions every day of their life you're not driving it to work every day so that's why you can get away with some of this stuff. So how many Riddler cars get driven to work every day? You know, how many, you know, uh, fixed up hot rods that are sitting in the garage, they get 2,000 miles on them a year if, if that. You know, they go to two or three car shows. You know, so, you know, most of the time they're in a garage. So that exact thought process that you had, uh, you have to worry about. And that's why I said if I were doing a car for myself, I wouldn't want all that material on there. I mean, I, I think about mill thicknesses, clears, primers, everything. I mean, I was just taught to think about it all, you know. I mean, a brand new car has six to eight mils of material on it. You know, I mean, there's more than that when you put polyester, spray polyester on it. Yeah. And, yeah. So, Sorry, carry on. I mean, you have, well, you have to think about all of that. I mean, I, I, I appreciate every part of the trade, and, and I think we have to think about it all. I think the sad part 
is is that the only part of the trade that really carries the super negative stigma is the filler work, which when you go in and out of any custom shop, especially here in the States, everybody is doing it because that's what everybody wants. They want the perfect body lines. They want the perfect caps. They want the perfect shapes. And if everybody wants that, and that's what the bar has been raised to with filler, I'm like, why, why does it have a bad rap? You know, I understand. I'd love somebody to build me a completely metal finish car. Um, I think, um, you know, you see them on the internet where they're polished and you can see some wiggles and stuff in them, but I mean, I'd love that. I mean, when I restore the stock Cobra or, you know, whatever, they're not perfect from the factory. They got wiggles and waves here and there, but they look beautiful when they're done. So I think as a customer or a builder, you have to accept where you're going with this project. So if you hand built this aluminum car and you want it perfectly shaped front to back and you're willing to say, hey, spread filler all over it, you got to live with that. You got to live with that decision. You know, so um, why does the filler get a bad reputation? Why does the filler tech get a bad reputation? It's not their fault. You know, it's that that's the point that I try to make when I post is, look, this is what we're doing. If you don't want it, you don't have to have it. We can fix dents. We can pick and file dents and metal finish just like we did in the early days in the body shops. You know, everything I painted when I was in my first crash shop was pretty much metal finished. So you just put a couple coats of primer, block in your feather edge, and you're painting that thing. And it looks fine. But it's not perfect. And I think all of us are to blame because we want it better than the metal craftsman can get it. So we're wiping mud all over. And um, either either call it metal finished and leave it metal finished and it's as good as it gets, or you want it better, you know, and you have to accept both. How is it over there for you guys? Yeah, exactly the same. Um, the bar's been raised pretty high, um, and that's the expectation nowadays. Even a date, like we, we talk about the car's, you said that the garage hot rods or garage show cars, people expect that quality on their daily drivers now. And that is what we're evolving to. And all of those questions that you asked me about, you know, are you worried about it in the sun stuff? That's when we're going to see problems when they're daily drivers. You know, we can't mud. I don't think we can mud a car uh, like we do for a show car. And consider that to be our daily driver. I, I just, I, I think it's going to fall apart. I mean, I, I want to believe that you'll get 20 years out of it. But, you know, I don't know. I don't make the stuff. I'm not the chemist. Yeah. You know? And even just the, All, the speed humps on the road, the vibrations of your engine, every, everything comes into play. Everything comes into play. And the, the, thing, the thing I find funny is, is people have no issue applying multiple stages of polyester primer or urethane primer and and you could be at let's say six to ten mil thickness with 
primer application, I, I think you're running a higher risk of a product cracking with that amount of primer than you are ever of running a risk of cracking filler. You are 100% correct with my experiences and uh, what I've seen. Um, polyester primer um, is more brittle, my opinion, than the filler. So, you know, you, f you flex a panel or something, it's not the mud that breaks, it's usually the, the polyester primer or something. And uh, urethane primer will flex a little more, and the epoxies flex a little bit more, but you don't want to build them that much. They just, they're, that's not what they're designed to do. I mean, if I use urethane primer, it's to fill 180 grit sand scratches. You know, I, I don't, I don't use urethane to build, to, you know, to fill anything heavier than 180 grit. So, um, and when you, I've dug into cars that had an eighth of an inch of urethane primer, it's gross. And you're wondering what people are thinking, but there's people in the metal work, uh, industry that don't belong making panels. There's people that are painters that don't belong painting cars. And there's people using filler that don't belong using filler. And bottom line, if we talk about this and we judge everything from a professional point of view, and we can have these kinds of conversations and bring up, hey, what about the heat? What about this mill thickness? I, I think it's wonderful. And I think that um, that would help everyone that's using filler. And I mean, if you think about it, I'm not a metal guy. When you bring a metal car to anybody like myself, fit and finish tech, custom painting, you're not coming to us to spend 50 grand on metal work. You're coming to us because it's done, it's ready. And we do what we have to do to make you happy at the end. You know, if you want it panel for panel, we're going to use less filler. If you want it smoothed out and we skim coat each panel, but not making it perfectly straight, we're going to use less filler. But if you want it perfect like everybody else, you got to live with that. And you got to know that I want to post those photos. And I think techs that do this want to post those photos. And I think we should all know that it could be a quarter inch thick. And I think we all should know that, you know, the best of the best metal men need help if it's going to be perfect. And, and I'm not criticizing anyone. I, I, I'm a fan of every guy that can bend metal and make a car out of any kind of material. And I mean, I'm a fan of fiberglass guys. I'm a fan of carbon fiber guys. I mean, it blows my mind when I see a beautiful part come out of a beautiful mold just as well as that polished aluminum aluminum Porsche that Damon Detmer made. You know, I mean, I sit there and go, oh my God, I want that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, it's, it, I don't know. That, I guess, you know, being the, the filler guy on Instagram um, started out as kind of a joke, but um, it's a serious thing to me. And, and I think you can't, say your car's metal finished or tell somebody it's a skim coat when somebody worked their butt off for hours, hundreds of hours and made it look like that. Um, you can't give the metal guy credit and the painter credit and 
skip over your filler guy. I, I honestly think when you're talking about these perfect cars that we see, the filler guy needs as much respect as anybody. Yeah. And, and you know, um, I don't know. And, and everybody, everybody has their... Uh, they're part of the trade that they do the best. I've seen guys that can pick and file and metal finish better than some of the metal shapers that I've met. You know, so I mean, everybody has a different skill set. Mine happens to be um, I've been able to straighten out anything put in front of me, whether it's one gallon of filler or 50 gallons of filler. I've been able to make the car look beautiful. So, am I proud of over mud jobs? No. Not. Am I proud that I had to use more than I should? No, but I look at it as I didn't do the metal work. I, I did what I was supposed to do. I made it straight, you know? So I think that's a big part of why I started this filler push because the people that will post, the people that will talk about it, um, uh, it is helping industry for sure you feel like you were getting the blame for the the guy who did the previous work i don't feel like i never i never feel like i got blamed for anything i just think that uh um, it's had this negative vibe and no you know everybody wants the metal finished car I get it. Makes sense to me. Right? I mean, if I'm a fiberglass guy by trade, uh, one of the first jobs I had was for a guy that made all of the uh, T bucket molds and bolts rods and C cabs, and he made the first 32 aftermarket roadster body. I mean, I worked for a guy that was the king in California for that kind of stuff, and I learned. You know, why you make a super nice book so that your mold's super nice. It comes out of the mold. You trim it very little, sand it, and paint it. No mud work. So, I mean, I understand, you know, um, the entire industry. It's just that as far as getting blamed for filler, it's not so much getting blamed. I think everybody that hires you or has it done wants it because they want to be as good as the next guy. I just think they're not willing to say, oh, yeah, that really good filler tech used a quarter inch here and it's zero here. You know, they don't want to see the readings. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to know how thick it is. But, you know, the funny part is, is with the stigma that it has, I've walked into a friend shop that does outstanding work one of the best fit and finish guys i've ever met and he's working on a car that came from another builder which is outstanding and he dug into an area on the car and he saw filler and he freaked out i happened to be there at that at that moment and i'm like what are you freaking out over that's how much we have in those areas and then he's like oh yeah you know it's like but even when you do this for a living and you dig into it, you're like, what the hell? You know, you have to sit there and think, you know, what do we do when we do these? So that whole perfect thing and that whole 
over restored things. It's just something that we've all evolved into. Pebble Beach wasn't about over restoration. You know, when I was younger, it was about the same materials, the same marks left. The, you know, and now I, see, I sit in cars and look across the hoods of them that are going to, you know, these big shows. And I'm like, my God, it didn't look like this from the factory. You know, perfectly flat, perfectly rubbed out black paint, you know. So I, I think everything is over restored. Yeah. And you said you're using a lot of Rage Gold. That's typically quite a hard filler. How are you ripping that down? What grits do you use and stuff? You know, um, I don't always like to talk about how I do stuff, but I, I, I learned from some guys and, and um, depending on how much filler I'm running, if it's not just a skim coat, um, I use uh, two-handle air grinders because they plane really well and I can shape a whole roof um, fenders side of a car really fast. Um, um, I can use, I use all different grits on that, just like if I was blocking it by hand. But, uh, one of the filler guys that I learned from, uh, was super good with grinders. And, um, I do a lot of roughing, um, and I can get it pretty good with, with grinders, um, especially in big areas. And then uh, when I start getting it to where it's a skim coat or two away, then I'm, I'm all by hand like everybody else. But um, I, I don't mess around. I, I do use cheese graters. I do use whatever it takes to do it as fast as possible. Um, uh, and, you know, sometimes in a lot of cars, you're between 15 and 20 gallons, you know, and, and you know, you got to got to shape it fast um the spline idea i love it um melamotive has teased me a couple times saying when they come out to the states they're going to stop by i mean i'd love to listen to them and, and check that out i've made some of my own in, in in the past trying to do big spreads and stuff um and uh it's just not what i'm used to doing but i i love the theory behind it i love the they talk about it I think it's great I think everybody should learn that method but I also think that that's kind of useless on some of the big uh, fills because it's just too far away and you don't want to use something that precise um, when you're just trying to get your rough shape there first you know how do you feel about so with that method applying with the the splines and you've you're slowly building up the lows and riding on the highs. How do you feel about applying stacking filler? Like, would are you comfortable applying filler over non-sanded filler? I've done it. Um, learned that in the uh, insurance crash business. Um, you know, because you're trying to beat sheet hours. Um, so, I have never seen it fail. When. I hit it at a certain window. There is a certain window where I wouldn't do it. Um, but there is a window where I think I've seen it never fail. And uh, once again, it's just from experience. Do I do it all the time? No, I don't. I, I wouldn't just keep stacking it on a panel. 
Um, I also like to knock it down to know where my my high marks are, if I have any. Sometimes I don't have any high marks in metal as I'm trying to get, you know, a nice shape. So, um, but stacking and stacking and stacking, I, I, I can't recommend that. I've seen guys do it doesn't make a lot of sense but like if i'm doing one little area and it's it's just kicked and, and i put more on i've never seen it fail all right and do you have a recommended um block that you use what do you what do you typically like to block down with you know i'm i'm very old school i um i still have the first blocks that i bought i bought multiple um i still use the standard um two handle wood block on the aluminum i use the original flex blocks that i bought uh, they're cracking and breaking i am researching blocks as we talk because there's a lot more out there now to offer than i ever had when i started out in the trade um but i also you know i i've used i use if you looked at my toolbox i have spring steel i have plastic i have wood i have aluminum pieces I, I have everything that you can think of that i've made over the years um i don't have any experience with any of the new ones that are out on the market but i am talking to people and asking them how they like them and i try them once i see a tech that has them just to get a feel for what they're selling um i don't have an opinion on any of that but uh the one thing I do use more than anything is uh, grill brick, stink block. Is that something you guys have over there? No, I've never heard of that. So it's like a it's like a hard insulation, and uh, one of the techs I learned filler work from used it um, back in the eighties, and it's obviously harmful like everything that we use so you got to wear a mask and eye protection and everything um you don't want it in your eyes you don't want to breathe it but um it it's kind of like using a spline in a way because once you have a shape with this block it kind of ruins shape and you can feel it stop cutting um so i'll rough everything in with say 40 grit and then I go to this grill brick, which is about 80 grit. Um, and it varies a little bit depending on the pores in it. But I could cut it in um, you know, anything from about 30 inches long to whatever size I want or shape I want. And I've been using that for decades. And uh, I like it better than plastic blocks. Um, just because I'm used to using it. Somebody taught me how to use it. It's, it's kind of a neat product, and, uh, you know, I don't show too many people it, but the people that showed me, I kind of passed it on to a couple of people. They still use it today, but um, I think plastic blocks were great. I've been playing around with them, homemade ones, whatever lands in the shop I've grabbed and tried. Um, it just, it's not as comfortable to me because I'm not used to, to using them. But I do want to try the splines, for sure, both sanding and applying. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's what you feel comfortable with. I've, 
I, I don't feel comfortable with this line without a handle. I find it very awkward and hard to send. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, anything that I have without a handle, um, and uh, I kind of learned it from another painter, uh, is you put uh, paper on both sides. And then we're, you know, we're using some thin gloves so that uh, we have really good feel of the panel and um, traction as well to hold the block. Um, so you got, you know, sandpaper on both sides. Yeah. And, and that's, a good, that's a good way to uh, say you're starting with 40 and you're ripping down and then switching to 80. It's a good way to, um, you're not wasting paper because you, you can just flip the block over. Exactly. That's that's a great way to look at it. And that's kind of how I look at it. I got 120 on one side, 100 on the other. I mean, I, I try to do that uh, on every little block I have. Yep. All right, Daryl, I... So, Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to start to wrap up. Unless you want to, you want to chuck anything else in there. No, I, I, hopefully I answered all the questions you had for a, a filler guy. But um, and you answered some of mine to uh, let me know that it's the same over there. So not uh, the only one uh, experiencing trying to over restore everything. No, one hundred percent. That's uh, I think it's pretty similar here. We we do follow your trends a bit, and I think with social media, we're hopefully keeping up. We're not too far behind. Yeah, uh, and I don't I, I don't know, but uh, it sounds like you're on the same path to uh, the same on the same road we're going down. Uh, you have a good day. You too. All right. Thanks for coming on. Yep. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, thanks, bye.